Hello again, awesomers. It's me. It's your old buddy, Steve Simonson. And today we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, maybe it's, it's not a shallow dive. It's not even a deep dive. It's a middle dive, uh, whatever that's called in scuba lingo, uh, about the company origin story. Now, uh, for the awesomers who keep score at home, you'll know that this is a, a topic near and dear to my heart. And I'll have to also uh, I'll let you know that I've discussed this and I've I've even given uh, speeches about it for well over a decade uh, in many contexts, not just e-commerce, uh, not just the Amazon, you know, FBA community, but beyond, right? Because every company has a story. And I want to, I'm going to share some, some famous company stories with you and then talk a little bit about the company story process that I believe in. And I believe that you should try to execute for your own company. Now, who does this apply to? This applies to uh, anybody who's building their own brand. If you are a drop shipper or retail arbitrage type uh, seller, fine. I, I, you know, whatever floats your boat, but you're not actually building a brand in that context. And I'm speaking to those today who are focused on building a brand because your company story, uh, believe it or not, I know a lot of people are uh, skeptical that their story has value. Every company story has value and every company story has some merit to it. So let's jump in. I'm going to share my screen and we're going to dive into it uh, very quickly and uh, get right down to it. All right. So, uh, oh, uh, look at that. I'm, I'm starting with the most important point, which is your story is just as valuable as somebody else's story. And this cannot be understated in terms of it's important for you to understand and remember. Uh, that said, it's the last slide in this particular deck, so uh, I'm starting with the punchline. Um, I'm 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 really passionate about this, and I think that it's underutilized by sellers because we all have in our own mind that, you know, well, how could my company story have value? I started this thing because I need money, or I started this thing because I didn't have anything else to do, or any number of other kind of um, hollow stories. Like they may be true or maybe even half truths, but that the part that sticks in your mind is not the part that is important. And I'm gonna give you some examples and prime the pump. And then uh, hopefully that will help you tie in to the company story process that we share uh, later on. So here's the foundational elements of a story. As you're thinking about it, and again, for the audio listeners, you can always go to the YouTubes, uh, again, I'm pretty sure that's how the kids call it, uh, or other visual medium. Uh, we're starting to distribute in other visual medium uh, uh, platforms, including you know LinkedIn and the the Facebooks. Again, I'm sure that's official. Uh, even Twitter or uh, the Rumbles or you know like we don't care. It's like wherever people want content, we're going to put up there. And to be honest with you, we don't even spend any time with the ranking or the promotion of it. So. If you happen to be on one of those things and you see our content, why not click the subscribe and share and save and comment and do all the things that tell the algorithm that this has value to you? Maybe you're not ready to declare value yet. Let's jump in further. So if you're starting with a problem, this is typically the result of how a company begins. You, you diagnose some problem and now you want to say, well, here's how I approach that problem in a unique way. It could be the category, like, hey, I'm I'm a big passionate person about pets. So I'm diving into the pet category and I don't think there's good solutions out there. 
Um, the a second element, which is often found in entrepreneurial stories, is hey, I'm the underdog, right? Every upstart is an underdog versus the the powers that be, right? So it doesn't matter, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter how much money you have to start with. There's some leader in the category that means you're the underdog, and people love underdogs. So why not find that angle in the story somewhere, or at least focus a little bit of light onto it? Now. An element of solving any problem is to actually make the experience better for the, the users of that product or the buyers in that a particular category. If you have hated, you know, how, uh, let's just use pets again, uh, pet food is, is um, you know, full of bad preservatives or whatever the, the, you know, cause du jour happens to be. And you said, no, I'm going to just use organic stuff. That's going to be my way of enhancing the experience, that's cool, right? That That's very viable and you should embrace that and, and jump onto it. And again, a little focus uh, in the story uh, as one of the angles. Now, over your launch, you need to develop and get the support of fanatical fans. The way people actually do this is, is dead simple, at least conceptually, and quite difficult to actually execute. The easiest way to create fanatical fans is just to thank your customers, appreciate them genuinely, even one-on-one, -on -one, and you know whether sending them thank you notes or even a little uh, video, hey, thanks for your purchase, we really appreciate you. You know we're just getting started, and your business means an awful lot to us. Like just saying thank you sets you apart from the the riffraff that's out there, in a true authentic and. Um, you know, let's just call it organic way, right? Getting an email saying, thanks for your order is stupid. Everybody does that. It's a minimum. You have to do it. It's not like if you don't do it, you've suddenly uh, enhanced the experience. People expect the thank you email like, yes, here's your order. Thank you for that. Uh, but how can you turn somebody fanatical if you just do what everybody else does? That's the status quo. You have to be better than that if you're going to develop the support of a fan base. Now, I'm a big um, resistor of this and believer in it at the same time. Uh, I realize that may seem to be a dichotomy, but the, the fifth pillar of this story basis is a founder should be visible, right? I don't like the spotlight. I don't like to be out in front. And so I'm often pulled that direction. And in past startups I've done where I'm um, you know resistant, I ended up like writing blogs that became super popular, not just with the, the customer base, but also the employee base. And when you have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of employees, that became my method of communicating both with customers and our, you know, broad-based team because they weren't all in the same buildings. In fact, that we were distributed, you know, amongst 40 or 50 locations. That concept of putting the, the founder, you know, visible on the front line is something that gives a story more, more sizzle and more interest than, you know, um, you know, this corporation has started a new division and it is going to sell you better pet food, right? Nobody cares about that. Everybody can see, you know, kind of the corporate robots out there. And if you're not one of them, how, how do you set yourself apart? You do it by being visible and proclaiming your, your values. And then I love to, to focus on this, but sharing what you believe. Don't put in this idiotic, trite you know, mission statements. Uh, we're going to sell the best product and deliver the best customer service and be the cheapest price. And all of these nonsense, really craptacular platitudes that actually mean nothing. 
People don't believe them. They see right through them. And by the way, most companies don't even bother to read them once they've written them, right? They're just a waste of space and time. But the contrast to that is just tell people what you believe. We believe in making the best dog food, right? We believe in all organic. We believe in every ingredient should have, you know, a farm location printed on the package, you know, whatever. I, again, I'm making this stuff up. But you'll find most of the companies I have, ideally all of them, but uh, I can't actually look at all the pages all the times. But a, a we believe is is often found in the about us section because we want to share. Here's what we believe. Like we believe entrepreneurs are are awesomers and and can change the world, right? We believe that entrepreneurs need you know more support. Uh, we believe that entrepreneurs make the world a better place, right? All of these types of things. When you say what you believe, it creates. Um, very clear lines between people who agree with you and people who don't. Customers, fanatical ones in particular, are the ones who agree with you. And so you should be trying to find those lines of polarization. I know everybody, their instinct is, well, gosh, if I can just get 1% of this trillion dollar market, I'm going to have this massive business, so I don't want to tick off anybody. But the truth is, that's not how things work. You need to get an outsized piece of business from a particular customer avatar or a series of customer avatars that are based on truly how you approach business, what you believe, and how, um, let's just say, loud and proud you're willing to say it. And you see companies doing this all the time with mixed results, right? Sometimes they they say what they believe and they then back off of it because they're actually um, ultimately gutless and weak. Stand strong on what you believe, regardless of what it is, and make that part of your company story. And then finally, you'll find some way of making your mark, measuring these, these points of being able to say, you know what, I'm going to you know, start here. This is the beginning of my story, and here's where we're going. This is what we, you know, these are the things we believe in, and we're going to change the world of whatever, organic dog food, uh, to stay on the same example, by creating this new reality of, you know, farm to dog table or whatever it is, uh, or cats. I suppose cats eat food. Maybe I'm not leaving out the gerbils. Don't send me letters, everybody. Whatever pet you have, let them have the food that you think is best for them. Boy, this is going to be a, this is going to be a long one. All right. So let's dig into the first one. So uh, for the visual uh, folks, I've got some sneakers on the, the television that looks like a tennis player or Maybe uh, somebody sitting in a high chair and there's some shoes and that uh, is not the precise brand, but Tom's Shoes became a very interesting uh, company story. Their company story or brand story, as you might think of it, uh, is essentially, hey, li listen, the founder saw some hardships of kids growing up without shoes when he went to on some trip in Argentina. And so he wanted to help. So he made a uh, a company shoe pledge that for every pair they sold, they would donate a pair of shoes to a child in need. And, and of course, if you boil that down, it's just a one for one, right? One sale, one donation. Now, <laughs> a little dark side of this, uh, they give away a lot of shoes, which sounds really cool, unless you talk to shoemakers in Ghana that they're putting out of business, right? There's a, a famous interview of a, a Ghanan shoemaker and, you know, uh, she's like, hey, listen, we, we have 200 people working in our shoe factory trying to make shoes for our local people. And Tom shows up with truckloads of free stuff. How do we compete against free? 
So know that uh, although I think the story is holding up very well for Tom's, there can be unintended consequences. So be sure you think through uh, both the positives and negatives of what your your brand positioning and brand story may be. Okay, so um, I, I, we've got a on the visual uh, screen for those audio listeners. We've got a, a lovely young lady. She's got some glasses on, and that translates into the Warby Parker, which is another very famous D 2 C brand. Now, in in its brand story, Warby basically says, "Hey, listen, we're rebellious, and we're going to tackle the problem of expensive eyewear." Basically, after one of the founders lost his glasses on a backpacking trip and couldn't afford to make a replacement. He's a grad student. Um, uh, he or she, I don't actually know who's who's the Warby. Um, but like it was too expensive to replace him. So, you know, now uh, Warby kind of ripped off Tom's a little bit and said, hey, we're going to donate a pair uh, of glasses to someone in need for everyone um, that we sell. And we're selling them at a low price. This is, you know, their in a nutshell statement is good eyewear, good outcome, right? This is an important concept for Warby Parker. And it's resonated. You know, people get tired of getting ripped off. Eyeglasses are unnecessarily expensive. And it's kind of a, a racket for eye doctors. And, you know, listen, if you're a eye doctor, forgive me. But, uh, yeah, well, I just believe what I believe. So uh, if you hate me, uh, that's life. I, I'm, I'll live. Thank you. Uh, next example. So I've got a, a nice looking burrito, lots of ingredients in there. And this goes into the Chipotle brand story. Now, Chipotle says, hey, we're just in the business of good food, right? We're going to find those high quality ingredients. Uh, we're going to use classic cooking techniques, not, you know, kind of factory techniques. And we're going to do this in a fine dining, quick service combination, a unique combination. And then Chipotle says, hey, listen, we also want to make the world a better place for uh, respecting animals, farmers, and the environment, right? So they're they're kind of doing it all. And their nutshell statement is, hey, we're doing food with integrity. Uh, by the way, I, uh, I like Chipotle. I think their food is good. When they have failed on that, uh, they've had some, uh, well, let's say challenges with health uh, when some of their systems have failed, but they still have rebounded and, and have come back uh, strong with that story. If you've never been to Chipotle, check it out. I think their food is generally better and historically it's been uh, a good value as well. So if you can deliver good quality food at a good price, while you're making everything better in the supply chain and you know uh, respect for animals, farmers, environment, et cetera, that's, that's a pretty good win. And people resonate with that story. All right, one or two more examples. So I've got uh, a, a woman here, and one is face down, one's kind of given a, a back rub, and it's for the very famous company that you all know. It's called Back Rub. Now, this is an example of a company story. Oh, now I'm getting some, some messages that say they don't know what Back Rub is. You knew who War Warby Parker is. You knew who Tom Shoes. Yeah, yeah, and you knew Chipotle, but you don't know Back Rub. Well, gosh, everybody. This is a good point about company stories. They evolve. What is Backrub, you may wonder? Google is Backrub. When Google was found in 1995, it was called Backrub because they're going to massage the results. <laughs> this was part of their nutty, nutty startup environment. So in 95, a little company called Backrub started up and now has become Google, which ultimately renamed themselves to Alphabet. 
But I remember when Google was a, a thing in the early 2000, let's call it 2001, 2002 timeframe. This was, you know, it started in 95. It didn't get any traction until the early 2000s. Yahoo was beating the crap out of it for five plus years. And then Google just said, we're staying on the ultimate, you know, simple screen and very low sales pitch. They also had a little thing called uh, their the country or company mantra was do no evil. They scrapped that later, everybody. So if you your policy was that you believe in doing no evil and then you get rid of that, what is the new policy? One wonders. Nevertheless, I will digress. Uh, Google still focuses on kind of minimal branding uh, and and very low, um, let's say low touch call to actions. Basically, they're like we're going to display this on the screen. If people don't click on it on their own on the merits of that very um, soft ad, then you know you as an advertiser are not going to get anything. And of course, they have many products now, and it's it's a quite a large organization. But their nutshell comment and what made. Google ultimately the you know biggest search company in the world and the biggest advertising platform probably in the world is that they have clean fast lightning fast and reliable results you can can you, you can trust when you get a Google result again <laughs> this is not me making their case this is them making their own case so if you agree or disagree um, please uh, send your letters to uh, backrub.com. All right, my the punchline again, your story is just as valuable. Everybody started somewhere for some reason. And so uh, one of my old buddies, uh, you know, he was uh, a nurse and he's like, I need 500 bucks a month because the schools in my neighborhood suck and I want to put my kid in a private school and that's what it's going to cost. And so he built a business around, I need 500 bucks a month to put my kid in school. That's a great hook for a company story, but that's just like the opener, right? This is why we need to do it. Then here's how we did it, right? Well, we, you know, sourced some products for Amazon and then, you know, we built this brand and we built it in this category because I have this passion or what have you and just bing, bing, bing right down the line. There are literally dozens of other examples. And I remember giving this um, this speech at a conference um, or some variation of this anyway, uh, five or six or eight years ago. And and I had, you know, wonderful entrepreneurs coming up around me and they're like, Steve, that is, you know, man, that's a really good point. We, we, we believe in what you're saying. We just don't think it applies to us. And I can absolutely assure you, everybody has a company story. And uh, without doubt, there is a company story that every single person can benefit from. And if you want to, you know, uh, the, the process of how to make a company story you know, pop over to Empowering and just ask, you know, one of the groups, um, maybe e-commerce 101. So find the, go to empowery.com, go to the e-commerce 101 group and say, hey, I would like to have the company story process. And I'll have somebody go in and, and share that document with you. But it's just a step-by-step, -step, um, but a, quite a, a simple approach to making a company story. It gives you all the things you need to do to make a company story. And if you can't get it done with that process written out for you, and this, you know, this uh, podcast or video that you're listening to or watching, then I want you to hire somebody. And again, you can go to uh, empowery.com and, you know, do like, um, you know, the marketing with Emma. She's uh, brilliant. She's a great copywriter. She can learn your company story and probably help you craft that. There are other 
uh, resources probably as well, but uh, she's somebody that I, I know and I like, and I think uh, is super talented. So, you know, let's take some action. Let's get a company story and let's make it something of value because golly, you're really missing the chance to set yourself apart. And actually not just for the benefit of your brand, right? This helps your brand set itself apart uh, and differentiate, but it also helps your customers understand, gosh, this is more than me just buying this bag of dog food from you know this clown I found online. I'm actually participating in a family business, or I'm participating in uh, an empire being built on good values and making a, a change in the world. Whatever um, your foundations are, they they can get much more behind that, and the the decision becomes less about the commodity of I got money, you got dog food, let's exchange, and more like I am totally into you know, uh, this brand because of these reasons. It, it has a tertiary effect, which is, my gosh, it's great for your team. When your team can understand, here's our company story. Here's how we began. Here's why we exist. And here's how we're going to change, you know, the industry or the world or what, whatever the case is. Man, oh man, it's, a, it's the most excellent thing for recruiting and retention. It's great to keep everybody aligned on values. And the more of those we believe statements you have that you're clear about, uh, the better off your company will be. So uh, anyway, listen, everybody, I'm I'm a, a true believer in this stuff. This is not me just, uh, you know, kind of um, telling you things that I don't believe. This is me giving you the, the straight facts. I am 100% a believer in having a good company story. That origin story really is something that could be special. And I will say for the last time on this podcast anyway, whatever your story is, whatever the reason is, wherever you are in terms of your success, um, you know, ascension up the mountain. So at the beginning or in the middle or even, you know, approaching the top of the summit, everybody's story has value. And if you can't see it, follow the, the process, which you can go over to Empower and ask them for a, a free company origin story process. Uh, then have somebody, you pay somebody to help draw it out of you. And when you read it, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I want to buy from these people. These people are great. Uh, I definitely want a piece of this. And then you'll realize, oh, that's actually my company, right? And that's the kind of uh, storytelling that gets people motivated and, and brings all those benefits. So uh, and once again, Awesomers, I appreciate you. Uh, now's a good time to decide if this thing had value or not. And go subscribe and share and save and comment and do all the things that people are supposed to do that I uh, really don't pay much attention to. But that doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. Like when you when I see a review, they, they send me reviews. Uh, I'm like, gosh, I, I really appreciate that. And when I meet people around the world, and they're like, hey, I listen to the podcast, Steve. I really, really uh, enjoy that. It's like, wow, that makes me happy. I feel feel fulfilled as a result of that. And I was just in Mexico on a sourcing trip. And I had a, a fellow, he's like, you know, I knew you were uh, the keynote speaker for this event, but I didn't really recognize your name. But the second you started talking, I recognized your voice. And then he's like, oh, this is the awesomer guy, right? And so those fun stories, they really do mean a lot to me. So I want to just say a heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you who, who take the time to listen and share and subscribe and say, I, I don't know, all the things that you do, I appreciate it. As you know, this is a labor of love. I, I really do appreciate uh, the attention, and I love entrepreneurs. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.